0: And so it's a place with a curse upon it. And the history of the cursed lands around Jericho goes way back to the days of Joshua, when he took the city, when he led the children of Israel over that Jordan. They marched around the city, and the walls collapsed. They conquered the city and took it. And Joshua made the pronouncement. He adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed! Cursed! Be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth the city Jericho. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and I pray that today will be a blessing to your own soul (coughs) as we turn to our pulpit ministry on Elisha the prophet, turning the cursed water into perfect drinking water. We're told here in 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 19, and the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the wa- the situation of this city is pleasant, as my lord seeth, but the water is not and the ground barren. And he said, bring me a new cruise, and put salt therein, and they brought it to him. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters and cast salt in there, and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters, there shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. Well, stay tuned with us right through the program today as we let the Bible speak on this subject from the pulpit of our church, Healing the cursed waters. And this is going to lead us all the way to Calvary. At the close of the program, I'll be speaking again on this mercy for youth in drugs. Five minutes of righteousness exalteth a nation. And we need to earnestly cry out to God for the youth of this nation, that young people know the Lord, know the gospel, and be delivered from the curse of drugs in this land. Stay tuned now as we come to our message today. We come again to this man, Elisha. And I want to draw a contrast between him and Elijah. Elijah was sort of the prophet of fire. He's a fiery character. He pronounced judgment. He threatened the prophets of Beal. He challenged the king. He was a threat to the queen. And then, of course, he sort of ran out of steam and ended up under a juniper tree, not knowing which end was up, wishing to die. But all of Elijah is a man of uh, burly, blasting, and a man that you would want to just keep your distance from. Elisha seems to be of a very different nature. We've learned already that his name means Savior, Elisha, my God. And of course, the, the ending there refers to the Savior. And when you look at the life of Elijah, you'll find that he was the healer type. When the axe was lost in the water, they sent for Elisha. And of course, they cried out, Alas, for it was borrowed and Elisha, by the power God gave him, restored the axe. When the boy was dead, they sent for Elisha, and they raised him to life again. When Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army, had taken leprosy, they sent him to Elisha to be healed. And that's a great story in itself of how that uh, captain humbled himself to do exactly what he was told by Elisha, and thereby he was marvelously healed. When there was no water in the land, and they sent for Elisha, and he instructed them to dig ditches, and they were filled with water. And so he earned the reputation of being the troubleshooter, the go-to person in trouble and he had the answer from God. It's no different in this situation that we read of here, because the news is given that this is a very pleasant place, Jericho, down on the plain near the River Jordan at the foothills of Jerusalem. And it's it's a great place to live, but there's a huge problem. The land is cursed. The land is barren. The word in the original, and you may have it there in the margin of your Bible, means that it miscarries. And whether that applies to vegetation, that it just withers after a while, or there's no fruit, or it may even refer to the animals that they miscarry, and perhaps even to the people. And so it's a place with a curse upon it. And the history of the cursed lands around Jericho goes away back to the days of Joshua, when he took the city. When he led the children of Israel over that Jordan, and they marched around the city, and the walls collapsed. They conquered the city and took it, and Joshua made the pronouncement. He adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth the city Jericho he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. And so for hundreds of years, this was a cursed place. And the rebuilding of of the city, no one dared. No one dared to even consider it. Not until the days of Ahab. And in the days of Ahab, a man called Hiel, H-I-E-L, dared to go back, try and rebuild and dwell and occupy the area of Jericho. And when he did so, do you want to find that in your Bible? All right, let's look at it. 1 Kings 16, it's not very far away. 1 Kings 16 and verse 34. In the days, his days, now that's in the days of Ahab, You'll see Ahab mentioned in verse 33, 1 Kings 16, 33, you have Ahab the king. In his days did Heel the Bethelite, build Jericho. He built Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn. Now, I didn't understand that when I first read that. I had no idea what did that mean, he laid it in Abiram. Well, When you compare the pronouncement that was made by Joshua, and you look at this word right here recorded for us, it's word for word. And the price that Heel paid for rebuilding the city of Jericho, it cost him his firstborn son the day the foundations were laid. And then when they hung the gates on the city, it cost him his youngest son. And so he paid a terrible price for daring to go against that well-known pronouncement of Joshua, Cursed is the man that rebuildeth this city. And he dared to do it, and he paid the price of his firstborn son and his youngest son in the building of the city. And I am amazed at the word-for-word accuracy in the fulfillment of that curse and how he bore all of that. Now, there is quite a battle going on today in academics and archaeology about this city of Jericho. I have learned that it is the second most excavated city in Israel, and that might mean it's likely to be the second most excavated city in the world. There are many exploratory attempts to discover the history of that area. One was way back in 1930s, and they discovered in 1936 uh, a team led by a man called John uh, Garstang, and they discovered what they were absolutely convinced were the collapsed walls of the city of Jericho. Now, that was exciting and wonderful until in the 1950s, there came along another archaeological team led by a woman called Kathleen Kenyon, and she attributed and dated the falling or the uh, walls that had fallen down, and through carbon dating and other methods, attributed it to another period when the Egyptians invaded. And she and her team wrote off Uh, the finding as referring to the biblical event where Joshua conquered the city. And, of course, they called it science, carbon dating. That really carries a lot of weight with so-called archaeologists, and they use that uh, to, I suppose, to their advantage. Some scientists tell me that it's actually very accurate. It's very dependable. But there was only a difference of a hundred years in their findings, and they were both in agreement that prior to the discovery of the remains of those walls, that there was no building in that area for hundreds of years, and that would agree with this curse that Joshua put the ban that he put upon rebuilding Jericho, which was back in the days of Joshua. And then all the years in between until you filter down to King Ahab, there were hundreds of years, no building, therefore no remains, nothing to discover of civilization of any extent during that time. And so, the city, when Elisha was there, the land was bad. And he is called upon to heal the land. Oh, what a what a question. What, what were they thinking? Who did they think Elisha was? Can you understand something of the respect that they had for this prophet of God? He had just received the mantle of Elisha, and this is his first major miracle alone. Well, the, the, the dividing of the waters, yes, he repeated what Elijah had already done and proved the mantle that he was indeed empowered by God. And then so swiftly afterwards, there comes this request from the people of Jericho, would you come and address this problem that we have? This is a pleasant place to live. It's a great place to be, but the waters are bad and the land it miscarries. And we see here in this account the readiness of Elisha to take on the task. Now, if he had not been a man of God and if he had not been empowered, he would have walked away. He would have said, what do you you think it is here? This is laughable stuff. This is stuff of nonsense. But he didn't. And he took to heart the request that he would do something to deal with this uh, bad land, this corrupt water, and to make the place more livable. And so, what does he do? Well, he calls for salt. Firstly, a new cruise, which I take to be some kind of a a vessel in which the salt was placed. A new cruise. And put salt therein, bring the salt, and he went to the spring of the waters, right to the source of it, and he cast the salt right into the bubbling spring of water. Water. Well, I don't know if it bubbled or not. It may have been putrid. It may have been stinking, smelly, rotten. And he took that salt. And before he said anything else, he says, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And we're told, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. What a miracle. What an amazing thing. And it lasted. It, it worked, and it endured. And we're told that from the author, the writer of these pages, which was probably written in the days of Jeremiah or somewhere around there for a number, many years, this land of Jericho continued to be a pleasant place with good water and with good land. Now, here we come to typology in the Bible. Elisha is undoubtedly a type of our Lord Jesus. And as Elisha is called upon to address the curse of this bad land and this wretched water, our Lord Jesus come into the world to bear the curse of sin and be the cure from that nastiness and sinfulness of this world. Christians are also called to be the salt of the earth, and the gospel is to have a salting influence. And as we shine the light of the gospel upon the putrefaction, the corruption, and the curse of sin in this world, we expect that there's going to be the changing power and work of God. And so, likewise, the gospel needs to be preached in its fullness and in its purity to become the power of God unto salvation. Now, from this account, from this historic narrative right here in the life of Elisha of the healing of the waters using salt, we learn some lessons concerning the ministry of the gospel. And the first one is this, gospel ministry must go to the source of the curse. That's exactly what Elisha did. The thing that he did not do was to try and go fix the symptoms. Now, the symptoms were all around the city of Jericho. It was the water, wherever the head and source of that was, was filtering down and causing the corruption around the land. And this very pleasant place, Jericho, along the River of Jordan, 800 feet below sea level, and you might think, boy, it must have a very nasty climate. Well, it's no worse than Phoenix, and it's no worse than Palm Springs, and it is this day a pleasant place to live. But when the water supply was poisoned, And when there were these terrible effects upon the land, well, it was spoiled. But Elisha went straight to the source. He went right to the water source. And we must learn from this that in the work of the gospel, our job is not to try and treat the symptoms, the symptoms of corruption, domestic problems, the carnality, the depravity, the wickedness of man that sin has brought about. And of course, there are social gospels and social ministries that address the symptoms, but they don't go to the cause. Human psychology, I'll put that into that bracket as well. The study of human nature, Behavioral patterns, sociology, and all of those things that study really the symptoms. But the gospel must go to the source. And the source of man's problem is not his environment, is not his own heritage or his own upbringing. The source is the corruption of his own heart. And that's where the sin arises that's where the sinful nature stems. And sin in the heart ruins. And so if you would be saved from sin, if you would be delivered from all the corruption and the horrible issues of sin in your life, you need a gospel that goes to the very source of the problem. And that is what Christ does. That's what the gospel does. I think of one gospel text, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And you will see in that text where you have the problem and the remedy, that the gospel goes straight to the issues. And if men are to be delivered and changed and blessed, they need to deal with the issue of the heart and the Lord must change the heart and there needs to be the the power of the gospel applied and that brings me to what Elisha did next because when he went to that water source and he requested for salt to be given you will see here that and we learn this lesson gospel ministry must be applied to the source Uh, he asked for a new cruise. Verse 20 tells us that. And so we see here his insistence for purity, and the salt, if it's going to be effective, needs to be pure. doesn't need to be corrupted in some way itself. And dare I take a moment here and preach the sinless nature of Christ? This is why Christ is the answer to the corruption of sin in the world, because he is pure. He is sinless, And when we're talking about fixing the problem of sin, we're talking about bringing sinners to the sinless Savior, that they may be healed by the one in whom there is no sin, like as this new cruise. And then we are told that Elisha himself, he took the vessel of salt, and he went to the edge of the water spring, and he himself cast the salt into the waters. Look at verse 21. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters and cast the salt in. There's application. The salt had to come into contact with the corruption of the waters. And this is fully in line with what must be done in the hearts of men. It's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough to learn Bible verses even. It's not enough to have head knowledge. There needs to be a heart application of the message of the gospel to hearts. And if I I put it this way, your sin problem must come into contact with the victory of Christ. That's the answer. That's the, the solution here. And his atoning death, with all its virtue and all its power, must, by grace, by faith, by the Holy Spirit, by your own claiming and coming, your sin nature needs to be brought to the cross. And only then, by that application of the blood and the gospel, will all the curse and all the problems be dealt with. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak. Stay tuned with us for five minutes of Righteousness Exalteth a Nation. Today we want to talk about mercy for youth of our land. As a pastor, I am very alarmed for the youth of our country who are being destroyed by the drug world. Just today again, I had a father on the phone crying for help to rescue his teenage son from drugs and suicide. As never before, kids from even... Good and godly homes are being lured into doping. Some dabble in it and learn to hate it, but a great number are falling prey to its destructive powers. The new powerful drugs are fentanyl, which has the power to kill with a little grain-sized powder. Those who sell these drugs are ruthless murderers, for they know only too well they are dealing in death. Deaths have occurred from the very first ingestion of this drug. Even first responders who somehow ingest a little dust from their gloves have needed emergency treatment. Sadly, this is not just happening on the back streets of our cities. It is happening in million-dollar homes and hotel suites. It is killing the rich and successful, as well as the troubled and disadvantaged. There is also an alarming number of people hooked on these drugs through doctors' prescription pills, Giving out for pain relief. The stats show that the number of fentanyl prescriptions in our society has climbed steeply. It seems that for years, few doctors realised the high risk of administering such drugs. There is a sinister side to this plague of drugs in our society that has created a culture of death. It is as if all discernment has been taken away. One would think that as soon as the word is out, that these powerful drugs are killing thousands upon thousands of people, that the alarm would go off that this stuff is pure poison and to be avoided. But people don't seem to care for their own lives, just as the drug dealers don't care who they kill. How do we explain this dark interest in drugs in what we glean from the Bible? It surely tells us that the Bible is correct, that the heart of man is deceitfully and wicked above all things who can know it. It is a desperately deep sin problem in human nature. The Bible is right that man without God cannot find real satisfaction. The Bible also tells us that Satan is a murderer from the beginning. This state of affairs is ripe for the devil to destroy souls. In John 10, verse 10, the The Bible says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and heareth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep." The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. In Christ and the gospel rests hope for our nation. We need to repent of the sin of our generation and turn again unto God. We fear that this may be God's judgment where he gives people over to the evil of their ways, and it is young people who suffer due to to their rebellion to God. To parents, I would say, cling to Christ and to the gospel of the cross. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Redemption and reconciliation to God through the blood of Christ is still the power of God. God still saves and saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. It is time for God's people to awaken to the death throes within our society and turn back to God for mercy and deliverance for the rising generation that know not the Lord. It is time to pray for God to make the gospel great again, to turn his people to walk again in the paths of righteousness. For righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs 14.24 Christ is our righteousness. He is our Savior from sin. He saves from its guilt, its power, and one day from its presence. Trust Him to save your soul from your sin. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We are on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view our to our online services at 10:30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 187- 9058 Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on One Eighty Eight Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on the station as we Let the Bible Speak.